our situation, we were living in a residential neighborhood. We got to we got to know locals. We got to uh, go to places that were not tourist sites and and take a deeper look at the history, the culture, the Native Hawaiian language, and come out with a much deeper understanding of the American context in relationship with Hawaii. And I think that that was a, that was something I was hoping to learn more about, and I was really uh, pleasantly surprised by. Uh, how much we were able to learn about Hawaii by spending that much time there in the not-tourist context. Welcome to the Crossing It Off podcast, where each episode we share the stories of individuals that are living out their bucket slash life goal list. I am your host, Roger Williams, and through hearing our guests' adventures, my goal is that you will find encouragement and empowerment to add and cross items off of your list. At this time, I'd like to welcome my guest, Julia Rogers, and Julia describes herself as adventurous, curious, organized, and enthusiastic. Uh, Julia, thank you so much for being here, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, Roger. I'm happy to be here. Okay, let's get right into this. This is a subject that uh, I have some passion about, so this um, should be good. What was the item that you crossed off your list? I took a mini sabbatical with my family a couple years ago. Okay, Uh, so what was going on in your life? We have in in the United States, we kind of have this culture where, where if someone uses the word sabbatical, you're a professor, right? There's, mm-hmm. There isn't sabbatical in a lot of other professions. So what was going on in your life and why did you choose? What, what was that need that you decided to, to take that sabbatical? Yeah. So I think that one other word I would use to describe myself as a traveler. I, I've mm. traveled um, since I was an adult. I, d- I didn't travel as much internationally when I was younger, but I kind of got that travel bug uh, after college And I met a man and married him who also has that same inclination. So we traveled a lot in our pre-children years. And then we kind of settled into, um, we had two kids. The kids were young. Uh, At the time that we took our mini sabbatical, they were one in three. And, you know, about a year before we took it, we said, you know, we have to take advantage of the fact that these kids are not in school yet. Mm. And we wanted to get out there and see some new things and, and, just have an adventure together as a, as a nuclear family. And it became clear that, you know, a six month or year long timeout was not going to be in the cards for us, but we could do one month. And so that's how we settled on a month long adventure as a family and kind of use that as our framework for planning our adventure. So where'd you take the sabbatical? We decided on Hawaii. So we spent a month on the North shore of Oahu. Okay. Was there a specific reason why you chose Hawaii? Yeah. You know, I think Hawaii checked a lot of the boxes that we were looking for at that time. One of them was that, uh, you know, we, again, we love traveling to other places outside the States, but we thought for this particular trip, it would be, uh, you know, logistically easier with the little kids to go someplace that was within the U S borders, um, loosely speaking. (laughs) Um, but also, you know, someplace with good child with good healthcare, someplace with good healthcare was also important to us Mm -hmm. and a place that we felt like we could, um, you know, just have ample, ample experiences that were uh, small kid friendly. So Hawaii was the spot for us. 
Uh, what did the people closest to you like work, family? What did the people closest to you go? You know, uh, and you're also including your husband in this, so I'm sure he had to figure out ways to take the time off. What was what was that like? What was the experience of you know telling people, "Hey, I, we're going to be gone for a month, and we're not going to be doing work." <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, I think that for additional context, we took our uh, time out in 2017. Um, as almost a direct reaction to the 2016 election. Okay. Uh, it was, you know, we were of, we were of the yoke and I appreciate that not everyone was this way, but we were pretty uh, upset um, at, the, at that outcome. And we kind of needed something to look forward to. So that was another part of the equation. We really wanted to have something that was kind of in the future that we could look to as like, this is gonna be fun. This is something that's exciting, that's happy and uh, kind of got us through, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, when we were talking to our family about this, um, they were not surprised because again, we've talked, we've come to them with other harebrained schemes and, and this one was almost seemed tame in comparison to some of the other ones. Um, and then when it came to work, um, my husband at that time worked for the state government of Vermont. And so he, his plan was to work with his supervisor to come up with a, a virtual working schedule, as well as a combination of that and some uh, time off that he had pretty, saved. Pretty amazing before pandemic that that was. <laughs> I know, was I know. They were very understanding and flexible with him. And then for me, I, I am a sole proprietor, so I run my own show, and uh, it was a lot easier for me to get sure. that time off. Um, but we both still worked on our sabbatical, so I think that that's you know, you know, we can talk about that a little bit more if you'd like to. But that was how we made it work um, since we kind of before our jobs needed to stay a little bit up on right. what we were, our projects and clients and things like that. But at the same time we did, I would say that it was, you know, probably only um, 10 to 15 hours a week that we were actually working. Yeah, and I think you hit on something where it's like that issue of looking forward to something. I, I've experienced that myself. I took a, uh, a month trip to um, Spain to, to travel along San, the road to Santiago. And I, it helped me just having that thing to look forward to. And right now mm-hmm. I'm looking at future trips and it's just, it's so much easier to be comfortable with the here and now knowing that I've got something to look forward to down the road. So I yeah. love that. They, they've actually done studies, uh, psychological studies mm. that say that the, the preparation and the ideation of, a, of an adventure or of a vacation or a trip is just as beneficial to one's emotional state as the actual vacation itself. That's awesome. So. How did this taking sabbatical, how did it affect your family life while you were on it? What was, were there dynamics that changed um, between you and your husband or between you and the kids, although they were younger, were there anything that changed in you during that time period? Good oh, such a good question. One of the things I really appreciate about my relationship with my husband is that his name is Tom, is that we uh, travel really well together. Um, mm. We do well in any kind of team environment in general. And I think that, you know, once you become parents, it's like you're, it's like, it's us against them a little bit, you know? <laughs> um, and so that plus, plus trip uh, lifestyle, we're kind of suited to that. I feel like we have a really good dynamic. And so that was complemented by this experience. I would say that right. we had a really good thing going, even with the additional stressors that come with just kind of a temporary lifestyle. Um, and then with the kids, there was, there was good and bad. You know, one of the things I observed in our daughters, um, is that they were each other's only playmates during that month. Mm. You know, we, they had only each other and they, they really grew as sisters. I think that their, their sisterly bond really cemented during that period. And then in this past year with the pandemic, they also had to 
reinvent their relationship once more as older kids, you know, they're now five and seven, but that, I feel like that, that foundation was laid in Hawaii where they really liked each other and enjoyed playing with each other. And her, the older sister helped the younger sister. And so I, I just feel like Hawaii really helped out with that dynamic uh, of their relationship in a good way. Um, on the flip side, our three-year-old at the time was having a lot of meltdowns and I think transitional things with her her schedule being upset. Mm -hmm. And we were pushing the envelope a lot with our daily schedule and trying to have do a lot with the little time that we had. So that was a little bit of a strain, I think, um, from a perspective of her, you know, as a young kid doing a lot um, all day, every day. And then for us as parents, you know, everybody was tired at the end of the day, for sure. So what was your hope for the sabbatical? What was you personally, you know, there's goals for the family, but what were your goals specifically or hopes that the outcome would be from taking this sabbatical? Well, one of the things I appreciate about the idea of being somewhere for a month is that it's longer than a vacation, but short enough Mm -hmm. that it doesn't disrupt your entire life. And the idea of going to Hawaii was really attractive. I said all the logistical things that made it attractive. But the other thing is that Hawaii is one of those places where it is an onion. You know, there is, there are layers to that place. It is, it is not something, you know, a lot of people, tourists can go to Hawaii. You can stay at a resort that's completely sanitized from the local culture and not really learn anything significant about the place, not get Mm -hmm. a true sense of place where our situation, we were living in a residential neighborhood. We got to we got to know locals. We got to uh, go to places that were not tourist sites and, and take a deeper look at the history, the culture, the native Hawaiian language, and come out with a much deeper understanding of the American context in relationship with Hawaii. And I think that that was, a, that was something I was hoping to learn more about. And I was really uh, pleasantly surprised by uh, how much we were able to learn about Hawaii by spending that much time there in the not tourist context. Was, was that intentional on your part to do when you were let, when you went and how did you accomplish that? Right. How, how did you get to that space where that was your experience? Yes, definitely. That's, that's kind of a goal of mine. Whenever I, I travel, even if it's for a short amount of time, I like to kind of scrape away that uh, polished veneer that some locations have on top of them and, and dive a little bit deeper uh, and we do that through, you know, making, creating relationships with locals and partners. So through my work, which is travel related, I do know a lot of people in a lot of places. So I'm able to kind of tap them for the inside track or, you know, we had a lot of people in our world in Hawaii that would take us on various site visits or adventures and really, you know, educate us and, and teach us. And so I think that there are ways to do that um, as a, as a tourist as well. And, mm-hmm. and I don't say tourist as a dirty word. I, I think that mindful travel is really what we should all be looking towards, especially in this post-pandemic re-emergence and slow travel. And so that kind of thinking about the ethics of where you're going and thinking about how to keep money local and all those kinds of things are how I like to travel normally, but we were able to kind of do that really intentionally on this trip. So we just talked about the, the hopes you had. What was, looking back on it after the trip, what was the impact you think it had specifically on you and yourself and your how you re-entered life as you knew it before? You know, I think that it was our first prolonged adventure as a family. And so I came away from that feeling really bonded with my family, Mm. as I think I mentioned. Um, And also just, I always feel so renewed whenever I travel because I am one of those people that if I can wake up every day and it's a little bit different, all the better. (laughs) And so 
I think that coming away from that experience made me just feel really grateful and, and have that, and kind of, I was able to carry that gratitude, you know, with me for a long time and still do. And, you know, I was looking at some of the pictures from the trip in preparation for this interview and just reliving those experiences. I have such warm memories of that experience. And I think that that's something that as a society, we don't pay enough attention to experience as a commodity or, or as something that's worth investing in, in the way that I feel like we should. Um, and when I look back on that experience, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, it, it's worth any amount of money to have that experience yeah. with my family, you know? Yeah. And I think um, for me, it's when I travel, you know, everybody wants to see pictures of stuff. <laughs> show us the stuff that you, you saw. And it's like, well, that's not where I'm at. It's like, I'll show you the people I met. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Or like, the, you know, the, the condo that we rented, actually it was more of an apartment, but the apartment we rented. Um, was right on the beach. And mm. we had a little lanai, which is a little kind of, um, you know, uh, how do you say, like um, balcony, sorry. So we had a lanai, which is a balcony that you could open up. And so we slept open air every night with wow. our bedroom, our little, our, actually we had a Murphy bed that came out from the wall because <laughs> we had like a very small apartment. Yeah. Um, but my husband and I slept on this Murphy bed and we opened up the lanai door and every night we heard the ocean oh. and you could just see the stars from your bed. And that's a picture that you don't right? You don't have that one exactly. in the in the camera roll, but that was one of those memories that I just always think about so fondly. Awesome. So you, you talked a little about traveling for your work. Can can you share what you do and um, and how this kind of impacted that work? Maybe. Sure, sure. And this was, you know, I guess that this is, you know, bearing the lead a little bit. But my work was was a big factor in why we took this trip as well because. My business is called Enroute Consulting, and I'm a professional gap year counselor, which basically means that I work with young adults who decide to take a gap year either after high school or in between their college career or after college and help uh, match them with appropriate and meaningful opportunities that can fill this period of time that they're taking. So Hawaii was a research trip for me as well. And that was actually a lot of what we were doing on the day to day was that we would go visit a farm that I was researching, or Mm -hmm. we would go to a marine conservation internship center that I would get to know that I would, you know, have meetings with colleagues and, and things like that all over the island. So that was a big anchor to why we were going and why we were there. But it, that's, you know, what I find whenever I do site visits or research trips like that is that it only adds richness to the experience because sure. of those relationships and the locals that you get to meet and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I think that that's also another misconception that, that Americans have about sabbatical. It's not a vacation. It's not, you know, it is research, you know, traditionally in a traditional sense sure. of a sabbatical, it's about uh, a you know, professor doing research to improve themselves in the work that they do, or it's a pastor that's taking time off to immerse themselves in something that will enhance their ability to communicate to their congregation or whatever it is, but it's not. And it's the same thing with a gap year, I think too, is mm-hmm. their misconception that, well, you're just going to sit at home and play Nintendo all day. That is not the intent of a gap year. Whoa. So explain that a little bit more um, about what you see a gap year as and why it's helpful for students. Yes, yes. And you're completely right. I think that the, you know, someone who doesn't make a decision after high school and ends up living in their parents' basement and playing video games, I wouldn't even call that a gap year because in its, right. in its inherent definition, we describe a gap year as an intentional period of personal growth supported by activities of enrichment. And so really the point of this period of time is that it is a deliberate decision. It's not the absence of a choice. It's an active choice. 
And really what you're trying to do at that period of time is explore your, your personal development, deepen your professional awareness and explore career opportunities and also gain those practical adulting skills that not everybody has been able to gain in high school. And which has been exacerbated by the pandemic, by the way, a big time, you know, with fewer opportunities for our young people to kind of grow up. So it's really that opportunity for a rite of passage um, that's Mm. completely personalized and customizable, which makes it just very exciting. Yeah. In my previous life, I worked with high school students a lot. And uh, I was, I'm always amazed when I, when I share with people that Harvard since the mid seventies has been sending a letter to incoming accepted freshmen to say, Hey, we will hold your acceptance for a year if you want to take a gap year. And people are just floored by that. But that to me is a, is a good indication of that. There's people out there that believe this is a good thing to do. Definitely. Yeah. And now, you know, more and more colleges are getting on the gap year bandwagon. There's you know, UNC Chapel Hill offers in-house scholarships for gappers. Uh, Princeton has an in-house gap year program. Hundreds of colleges actively allow deferrals, meaning that if you get into a certain college and ask to take a gap year um, mm-hmm. and tell them your plan, they will hold your spot for a year so that you can act on that plan. So, you know, the, the higher education system really recognizes the potential of an intentional gap year. And then there, you know, people are also really surprised to know that there's a whole industry now of right. programs and counselors like myself. We even have a professional association called the Gap Year Association that uh, manages best practice and things like that, and also research. So there's a whole lot of energy behind this movement, uh, even though it is kind of still only a smaller percentage of students who opt into it. So we, we dropped a few names there of uh, institutions that, that sure. promote this. <laughs> that those tend to be um, more competitive schools to get into. What would you tell a student that was going to be attending a state school or a two-year program or whatever? How would you counsel them without spilling all the beans of what you do? But how do you approach that, that kind of work? Cause it has to be a little bit different than people that are going to an Ivy league or, or a higher end university. Yeah, sure. Well, I think that a gap year is open to anybody. In fact, you know, one surprising tidbit for people is that the largest gap year program in America is AmeriCorps, which is Mm -hmm. the domestic arm of the Peace Corps. So if you've ever heard of programs like City Year or NCCC or, you know, Habitat for Humanity has a, you know, Vista arm and things like that. Those are all what we would consider meaningful gap years. You know, national service is a gap year. So that is open and accessible to anybody. Not only is it free and, you know, you get a stipend to do it, but you also get an education award at the end of your service. So when we talk about gap year, there is sometimes associations with elitism or it's only for this kind of person or that kind Mm -hmm. of person, really who it's for is anybody who can act, who actively wants to take control of their future and not just be on a conveyor belt into the next choice. So, you know, for any student who doesn't know what they want to study in college, doesn't know if they want to go to college, feels burnt out from high school, doesn't learn in a classroom effectively, mm-hmm. someone who's had any kind of mental health or physical health challenges that have stunted their you know, personal journey. Any of those people can benefit from gap time. And if you notice, like kind of almost, probably almost everybody fits one of those categories, right? Because yeah. it's, it can benefit just about anybody, except I would say like the one type of student who maybe doesn't need a gap year is someone who knows exactly what they want to do, for college 
is super academically motivated and just can't imagine not doing anything except for going straight into school. So if you have those enthusiastic students in your life, you know, you don't have to push a gap year on them, but that's not the majority of students. So we've been talking about student gap years. We started this conversation with adult sabbaticals. Sure. Yes. (laughs) I am currently on my own adult gap year. Um, being very intentional about what I do, taking time away from selling my labor to, to others and using it for myself. And um, what would you, what kind of advice would you give adults that were kind of lingering or thinking about either a sabbatical or taking a year off and what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah. Yeah. And what, one interesting, you know, delineation between the student gap year and the adult gap year is the, just the logistics that are involved. So I'm much more compassionate for adults feeling hesitant about taking a gap year. I have less patience for young adults who don't want to take a gap year because I'm like, you don't have any responsibilities yet. (laughs) You don't have any debt yet. You don't have, you don't have people relying on you to feed them yet. You know, so when you're 18 and fresh out of high school, or even have a couple years of college under your belt, um, you don't have anything to lose really, you know, whereas when you're an adult, there are there are career implications, there are financial implications, but, you know, I think that what the biggest thing is, is that people need to come at it from an abundance mindset and not a scarcity mindset when they think Mm -hmm. about what they could do this time. There's, I mean, especially with the virtual work revolution, there are so many ways to make remote work possible that we don't need to be tethered to one place if we don't want to be. So, um, and then the other thing is, you know, you can really get creative with how you utilize your uh, assets to your advantage. So one thing to think about is if you own a house or if you have a, if you, even if you're renting, but if you're allowed to sublease, you know, you can actually use your house as a way to help fund your trip, you know, by either renting it out on Airbnb or doing a a house swap. Um, So, you know, thinking through what you actually have, you probably have more at your disposal to work with than you might think at the beginning. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, as we close out here, what is the next item you want to cross off your list? Well, I guess I, I can say it here. I can announce here for the first time <laughs> that we are planning another mini sabbatical for 2022, which I'm very excited about. Um, we, we're thinking Indonesia is going to be our location. Okay. So we want to do kind of a level up as far as culture and and challenge, you know, for the family. Let's still, um, so, let's still stay close to a beach though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you know, we, so for context, we live in Stowe, Vermont. So we live in a landlocked mountain go. town. So whenever we're thinking about where we want to spend time, it does tend to be tropical <laughs> and beach oriented. I'll admit. Um, but we're also just super excited to experience uh, a way different culture, way different food, you know, just have that really out there experience for the kids. Now that they're a little bit older. So that's definitely, so I guess it's same, same bucket list, uh, item, but just a different location. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything completely different that's on my bucket list. I do want to skydive sometime in the next couple of years. Okay. So that's, a, that's been a bucket list item for a while that I have not checked off. So we'll see if that can happen sometime soon. Okay. So, so let me, uh, let's backtrack just a little bit. So, um, so going to Indonesia, have you explained this to the girls? Do they understand what this might look like? Have you talked about schooling? What are some of those things that you have to be able to cross that item off that are different now compared when you took the sabbatical four years ago or five years ago? Yes. So many different kind of things to be thinking about. You know, the first time around we were thinking more about childcare, like how can we find 
someone to help us out with the kids if we need it. Now, like you said, we're going to be thinking about, you know, they're by then they'll be in um, first and third grade. So mm-hmm. there are more school implications, but I did get the, I did get the thumbs up from the principal that, you know, that it, this is allowed, we could take a month off and we can work with their teachers and things like that to kind of right. come up with a learning plan for them. So that is also, I would say that don't, think that just because your kids are in school, this can't happen for you. There are ways to work with your school system and with your educators to create a partnership in this um, because learning outside the classroom is so valuable for young people. Um, so that's one thing that we're considering. And, you know, we haven't told the, the, the kids that much about this yet because we're still kind of keeping an eye on COVID. We don't want sure. to get their hopes up and, and then have them be squashed. Um, so I think that we'll start kind of as things start to look really good for this happening, it's going to happen towards the like fourth quarter next year, kind of probably November ish time. We'll start kind of getting them prepared, probably starting in the summer, you know, um, doing some educational work around okay. getting them to know the culture and feeling, getting them excited. So that's kind awesome. of the plan at the moment. Yeah. And then, so I'm going to go back to you, uh, jumped ahead on the question, but <laughs> what is something on your list that's completely different than taking a sabbatical? <laughs> So I do keep a bucket list. It's in the back of a journal that I've had since I was 15. And one thing that's number, it's either number one or number two is skydive. So I do want to cross that off my bucket list at some point, whether it'll be in the next year, I don't know, but someday. Yes. So why has it been on the list for so long? So I've always been really particular about where I want to skydive. Like I want to, I want to do it in a place where I trust the planes. So that's one thing, but then also um, I, I really want it to be visually stunning. And mm. so there have been a couple of times when I've been in a location like New Zealand where I'm like, oh, this would be amazing, but I didn't have the budget. Right. So, and now I'm getting hesitant because I'm a parent and I'm like, is this responsible? Should I be jumping out of planes? I have sm- small children. So now I've gotten cold feet because of that, but it's still there. It's still something I want to do. I might be one of those 80 year old grandmas jumping out of the plane when it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Nice. Um, so Julia, how can people find out more information about you where, um, and your business and any pl- anything else you want to promote? Yeah, sure. Well, I would love, I mean, if you are, if this idea of a gap year is exciting for you, or you just want to, you know, connect, um, I'm really active on social media, especially Instagram. So you can find me mm-hmm. at on route gap year on Instagram, um, or my website is on So that's, those are easy places to land. Um, and if you also want to listen to other gap year stories that aren't my own, I co-host a podcast called Gap Year Radio, which is also on all the podcasting platforms that, you know, you can listen there as well. Awesome. We will make sure that the, those things get into the show notes as well so that people can just click them very easily. So Perfect. Julia, thank you so much. I wish you all the best on your, your future travels and um, sounds like a, a sabbatical to Indonesia will be awesome. And we will uh, be hoping that stuff works out for you and that I, I know traveling during this period is uh, can be sketchy and nervous and just, just the plans um, to what you need to have and all that can be uh, frustrating. So I wish you all the best in making that happen. We'll stay flexible, Roger. <laughs> Thanks exactly. so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thanks. As a reminder to our listeners, in this episode's show notes, you will find links to learn more about this week's guests and information on how you can cross this item off of your list. You can follow my adventures of crossing items off my bucket list on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, new episodes of this podcast are available to stream every Friday morning. We will meet you here next week. And until then, 
keep living out your list. Your list.